With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Have you woken up yet? That snooze fest at the bridge. Well, at least it wasn't another defeat. But the positive is, the Reds are at home on Sunday. I'm here with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones to get stuck into Klopp's comments on underperforming. Ask did Curtis Jones take his chance at Chelsea? And we'll talk about Arsenal's visit this weekend. But first, three words, Kiefer. Just so boring. Yeah, James, do you concur? Uh, yes, I would go along with that. I, I was, I had down devoid of belief. Oh, for, well, yeah, you could see that real clear. And Andy? A bit more poetic, that one. <laughs> and mine's just a tiny bit more positive. Did not lose, which felt like somewhat of a moral victory, given our Liverpool at times tried to lose the game themselves, it felt like. Well, mine's clutching at straws. <laughs> Let's see what's, what the feedback from the Walk On Facebook group is. Tom O'Brien said, hard to watch. Mark Simfield said, I fell asleep. John Wallace, terrifying drop-off. And Barry Jones, forgotten it already, you lucky man. Did he actually fall asleep? Because I think it could have put you to sleep. You know, like late of a night when like a film comes on BBC Two and you're kind of like half watching it, half not, and you just fall asleep. It had that kind of energy, didn't it? It did, it did. I always say, you know, when I remember sitting at Anfield once, uh, a nil-nil game on a Monday night against Manchester United and had a thousand words to file. And at half time, I'd written 34. And, <laughs> but I always say to people, the truth is, I've never seen a football match that I couldn't write 15,000 words about. Last night might have been an exception. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. This was the fight we had to show tonight. This was uh, the way we have to start again our development. We cannot now hope because we had a couple of things which were absolutely not not like they should have been, um, that we fix it then overnight. So I decided to make six changes. That is always against a good football team can be a big problem. Three of them in the last line, which is obviously a real a real challenge for the players. And we could see in the first few minutes they went with their direct playing behind the last line. Yeah, we had we had a few problems there. Apart from that, um they had their chances after we lost balls in moments where you just can't lose balls. That's now a problem we we keep a little bit. That's not good. But the recovery after that, the, the desire to sort the situation, I liked. So, um, yeah, nil nil. Um, I said, not the most spectacular one, but um, a step for us, a little step, but a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction. I mean, I know there's, um, you know, the saying, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one small step. But 
Blimey, Jürgen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that didn't seem like, well, it wasn't exactly a big stride, was it? It was a little tiddly baby step, James. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think listening to Klopp last night and then hearing him again then, it, I, th- I think it, it's, it's a manager very wary of the fact he's dealing with a squad of players where confidence is, is so low on the back of those, you know, three chasing in defeats really in different ways against Bournemouth. Real Madrid, and then again against Manchester City. So I think he, he he felt like he probably he probably had to you know especially having given them a real kick in after after the game at the Etihad and you know the the words he used to describe that second half capitulation. Uh, you know I, I think I think he had no option really but to cling to the positives last night. And it was it was a little step in the right direction, wasn't it? You know, it was a clean sheet. It was it was a point. It was just I know pre game, and I'm sure we'll come on to talking about. You know his his big gamble selection wise, making so many changes. But you know he talked about you know needing you know new ideas and fresh minds. And you know I think the reality was, despite you know some of the names on the back of the shirts being different, the the issues were all so familiar. And yes, Liverpool showed fight. Yes, they dug in. But let's not make any bones about it. Chelsea uh, were there for the taking for anyone who was. Any team with with much about them, as Villa showed last weekend, it was a game for me that showed exactly why these teams are eighth and eleventh because it was absolutely bang average, pretty much from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, to feel like the Europa League, Europa Conference League playoff, you know, what I mean, it's it was that bad. But Andy, we just saw how much work needs to be done on the team, and I mean, to me. It's more than a summer's work. Yeah, definitely. I think because there's so many elements that you've now got to rebuild with this team. It's not a case of just, you know, rebuilding the midfield. It's it's rebuilding the confidence, the, the mentality, the belief, and and that can take a long time. Sometimes it, you know, it might not. You know, if you if you start the next season, suddenly you you win five on the bounce and and everything feels right again. And, and Liverpool have got you know obviously past experiences of of previous seasons where they've been able to you know where, where they've been at the top of that. That's the in terms of confidence and belief, but this feels like so far off that, and you you just see that in even the simple, simple passes that they just can't, they just struggle to make yesterday, and you know little five yard things and little link play that that just usually come so natural or has come so natural to these Liverpool players, and you know they were struggling to do that, and I mean to be honest, I spent the first ten minutes laughing because otherwise I would have cried. That's sort of how. How Liverpool just seemed to want Chelsea to take the lead. I think you know Costa Simicas a couple of times. I think the first time loses possession, second time it's just sort of muscled off the ball, and and immediately Chelsea are in sort of two on two. And if you come up against a clinical team, and, and thankfully Chelsea are the opposite of that at the moment. You know Liverpool could have been on to you know a, a really really bad start, and and then it probably would have snowballed from there. But yeah, this this doesn't feel like a, a one year or a one summer thing. Now this does feel like you start on a, a completely new cycle and it does it it does somewhat feel like this this has gone so far the wrong way that how you know how quickly can it can it be put right and and everyone can get back to where we know they can get to I, the lack of belief was unbelievable the only belief kiva that really I saw there last night was from the stands you know immediately early on you know the crowds were singing you know I'm so glad Jürgen is a red and you know there's no I don't think, apart from the wilder elements, I don't think there's any appetite for changing the manager. But how does he restore belief? I mean, how can how can he convey the belief that 
Because one of the things I always thought about the Klopp teams, I've never seen a side in all my years following Liverpool that fed so much off the crowd. And it was kind of like, it was like an electrical circuit. The more the crowd, the more the team got sort of up for it, the more the crowd got into it. And then the team got a boost of energy. And it was like this brilliant, you know, sort of circle of energy. And that's gone now. But the belief is still there from the crowd. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's synergy, isn't it? Between fans and the club and the manager, who is the spearhead, the figurehead. And Jürgen Klopp is that will remain that. You do kind of like, obviously they're trying everything they can and working on things in training and, you know, making tweaks here and there. And it's just not really gaining a massive response on the pitch. I mean, the game against Chelsea was a lot better than we saw against Man City because that second half was just like no one got near the ball at any point where Liverpool, I thought they were probably grew into the first half of the Chelsea game and were all right, but still, you know, it was a pretty dull performance from them all in. Similar to that Crystal Palace one not long ago where it was nil-nil and you came away with it just feeling like, well, we'd be thankful for a clean sheet and it keeps the unbeaten run sort of going. I mean, that unbeaten run was, what, five games? I think Liverpool have managed to sort of go now without a a defeat this season. They haven't really been able to put that stretch of games together. Every time they get close to it, something happens that just sort of knocks them them off the pedestal a bit and they, they just seem unable to regain that control. And I don't really know what the answers are. You just kind of expect them to see them out there on the pitch. And that's why we do look to the summer. We look past these 10 games and... We think that maybe bringing in fresh players with some new ideas combined and also a break would be quite nice. And it just feels like there's a few tired players out there physically, mentally. Maybe a nice break would do them some good this summer. But obviously, we've got 10 important games to go. James, you know, Jürgen's obviously feeling the pressure because he he mentioned it. You know, he, he was the one who brought up the change of management before the Chelsea game. And... um he must know, as as much as Fenway absolutely are enthralled to him, they are fairly ruthless, as we've seen with the Red Sox, the things they've done there. At some point, you know, they'll probably act. Well, yeah, I think patience isn't limitless, is it? But I think at the minute, I th- I think the pressure Klopp feels isn't pressure from ownership or pressure from fans, because I don't know anyone with half a brain who is even considering whether he should keep his job or not. I think it's the pressure he puts on himself in terms of feeling like he's letting people down and he isn't coming up with solutions to the array of problems that, that he's been presented with. And the fact, as as Kiva said, it's the same old. It's like it's not like suddenly something new is coming up. It's it's the same things that have dogged Liverpool all season. You know, sitting there listening to him after the Man City game, he was saying much the same after Fulham away on the opening weekend in terms of too open, too passive challenges being missed. So yeah, it was interesting earlier on in the week. The fact that, you know, he said it with a smile on his face when he was asked about the sackings of, of Brendan Rogers and of course Graham Potter. You know, he said, you know, the elephant in the room from your point of view is probably why I'm still sat here. And he and he said, you know, it, I, I know I'm here because of what I've achieved in the past, you know, not because of this season. But which is true to an extent, but it's he's also there, I think, because it's not blind faith, is it? I mean this is a guy that took Liverpool to heights that most of us could have only dreamt of over the last seven, eight years. So, um, you know, I, th- I think it's not just about credit in the bank. I think it's also you, you trust him to put it right. 
you know, it, it, it's a huge, huge challenge and it just it seems to keep growing because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, what did Liverpool take 13 points out of 15 and we were talking about, you know, finally on course for the top four, salvaging something and now, you know, you're thinking, well... Feels long you know, ago. Yeah, it really does. It really does. What is it now? One point, one point out the last nine, you know, having gone out the Champions League in that period as well. And yeah, you know, you, you're suddenly in the kind of territory now where you think, well, our, our Liverpool, you know, forget top four, Liverpool could potentially, you know, miss out on European football altogether. Which, you know, some people would say that might actually be a blessing rather than dropping into the Europa League or or the Europa Conference. But um, but yeah, he's got a hell of a job on his hands. But yeah, the, the owners are still 100% behind him. They they appreciate the issues that he's been wrestling with this season. They do intend to back him financially in the summer. They know that at this stage in the cycle that this squad is in need of some major surgery. I don't think they're blind to that. But it depends what happens, I guess, in, in during the running. But you kind of think not many people will have managers in terms of who have been at a club for a long time have been able to arrest a slump like that. If you, you know, obviously Arsenal coming up at the weekend, you know, you had Wenger who obviously enjoyed amazing success for so long in his reign and then and then things tailed off and you'd hate to see things like go like that for for Klopp at Liverpool. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. Tony Evans here with James Pierce, Keeper O'Neill and Andy Jones with Walk On from The Athletic. Well, the changes. When I saw the team, I was a bit like, what's going on here? I mean, Andy, were you as shocked as I was? A little bit. I, I did think there was going to be changes and I think Klopp sort of alluded to it, didn't he, in terms of, you know, some people need a rest, some people... But then equally, you, you do think, well, they have just sort of, well, some of them have had three weeks off or close to it, well, two, exactly. two and a half weeks. And and Salah on the bench, you know, when you you need goals. Yeah, that, that was the other thing, wasn't it? It's, you know, sometimes, I mean, Klopp has done this in the past, hasn't he? And he's he's heavily rotated or not necessarily heavily rotated, but he's made changes and, and you've looked at the lineup and gone, oh, that was a bit odd or you wouldn't have expected that. But then Liverpool have... Been, a, been in a position where you know they're able to make those types of changes and still be the best team and still dominate games of football and you would say he probably does it in games that aren't Chelsea away and I know Chelsea are, you know obviously having their own problems Everton but it, loves doing it yeah, against Everton uh, doesn't yeah, he yeah Everton's the one really isn't that there always sticks out but you know for a game of this magnitude after you know Manchester City and the defeat and the manner of it it did feel odd and whether it was partly to send a message to some of those players who he's left out and gone, you haven't been up to 
up to standard and I will I will drop you if if I need to if you don't get back to that level and equally there will have been elements of you know needing to rest and knowing that another big game on is coming up on the horizon but then I think that there was an element of of trying to get a response and he's in that position now isn't he where he probably knows what he wants his best team to be but I don't think he knows what the best team is that's going to get him the best results at the moment and that that might be due to injuries and you know players he's still waiting to come back like Luis Diaz and, and Thiago for example but I think he is, in a sense, in one sense, trying to search for an answer because, as we've talked about all season, he's done various things. He's done various tweaks, different systems, different ways of playing. It's worked to a certain extent, some better than others, but then, you know, then it hasn't worked the next week or the next game or the next half, even. You know, the way forward, James, the, the, the way forward surely is not leaving Salah out. That just seems perverse to me. And it's not like. You know, you can take it easy. Oh, it's not like Arsenal's a second leg of a Champions League tie coming up. So yeah, you know, we'll prioritize that. They need every point they they can get if they're going to have any chance at all of getting into the top four. Which you know, I mean, I, I can't see it happening personally. But you've got to you've got to try and wring every point out of every game until the end. And and leaving Salah out for a game like that it just boggled me mind. Did he have a niggle or something? No, no, no issue that I'm aware of. And certainly nothing was mentioned down there. Um, yeah, I think Salah was the one out of the six changes. He was the one that, that was the big surprise for me because I think you're right, you know, for a team that's really struggled in terms of a goal threat in so many games to leave out your top scorer when goals, goals aren't forthcoming from other avenues at the minute was an odd one. Um, but the, the other ones I didn't have an issue with. I think I think the other the other five, obviously the Van Dyke one was enforced. He'd, he'd missed training on Monday due to illness, hadn't travelled. Got to be careful as well because I saw Klopp getting a lot of stick for, you know, what on earth is he doing picking this this team? And these are the same people that were saying, this guy's too loyal. He, you know, why does he never shake things up? Why yeah. are people getting picked on reputation? And and it's like, well, you know, sometimes you almost can't win in that situation, can you, with, with some people? But, you know, take the fullback because I don't think either fullback could argue about being left out after their performance against against City. I think also in a game where, you know, Liverpool were never going to be marauding forward all the time. Gomez was always going to give you greater defensive solidity, even though you know you're not going to get much you know, attacking-wise out of him at right-back. So those I didn't have an issue with. I think centre and midfield, Curtis Jones has been training well recently. And, you know, top end of the pitch, yes, Salah was a surprise, but, um, you know, Gakpo's played a hell of a lot of football recently. Of course, coming back off playing for his country as well. So, you know, Gakpo, when you think he was a one of only three outfield players that Klopp excused of criticism on, on the weekend, so that was certainly a case of being rested rather than, I think, with some of the others, I think it was a shot across the bowels of saying that no one gets picked on reputation alone. You've got to be, you've got to be delivering it. it um, you know, you're sat there thinking, well, this is either going to be you know, the big gamble that paid off or the big gamble that massively backfired. But in the end, it was, it was neither. It was nothing. It was, it was actually, you know, at best, a little step forward, you know, at worst, a sideways step with more of the same from what we've seen recently. And I think I think he'll go back to very much the kind of what we would have expected him to put out come come Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you completely that all the other changes I was happy about, <laughs> just the salad thing. Kiva, during the international break, Andy talked about Curtis Jones and the fact that, you know, he's... Um, you know, you're str- struggling to see where he'd get back in and fit in. Were you surprised to see him uh, playing against Chelsea? No, I think you've kind of been 
waiting for him to get an opportunity at some point. I know he struggled this season with sort of an ongoing issue and hasn't been able to train as much as he'd like and that kind of thing, which I think we've chatted a little bit about before. So you're kind of not really expecting too much of him this season. But towards the end, I'd hoped that you would get to see him and see what he could do. And I thought he was all right, wasn't he? He didn't stand out too much. He was pretty slick with some of his passing. And, you know, a couple of times in the second half, he, he lost the ball and looked to tire towards the, the end. I felt like he, obviously, he looked like a player who hasn't played or started for Liverpool for a long time. But he's an option, isn't he? He's 22. I think he's a quality player, quality option. And it was nice just to have different options in the midfield, even though, I mean, it still looked pretty open across the pitch for Liverpool from the front line to the back line. They still look shaky and, I mean, some of that defending was pretty woeful. It was a good job Liverpool played Chelsea, who just can't score a goal at the minute because anyone else and they'd be in trouble after uh, 20 minutes or so. I think Jones deserved a chance at some point, didn't he? For him now, it'll be about building off that and trying to take more of them chances because they're not really uh, you don't get many do you always so he's you know been battling away like a lot of players have and trying to get in this team even when it's a struggling team is difficult thing to do which is interesting maybe it's even harder in a way because like I think it was a James mentioned before like how do you take out players when you're kind of thinking well they could come good in this game I think it was quite nice and refreshing to see a new team and have new things to talk about, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did well. And, you know, I mean, he didn't do anything outstanding. But people forget that. that when this club team were at the best, the midfields were kind of anonymous, for want of a better phrase. You know, they, they did the graft. They did the, you know, the heavy work. You know, they, they weren't particularly stunning on the ball or anything. And, you know, if if this system is going to work, you need to get back to that. So where where does where does Klopp go on Sunday, James? How do you see the team setting up against Arsenal? Well, I think Van Dijk comes back in as long as he uh, he gets over this this bug that he's got. I think there probably would have been a case anyway for for taking him out the firing line with the demands he's had for 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 Liverpool and for the Netherlands. And you know, I think the feeling that maybe that's had impacted on his form at times as well. So I think I think you've got to go with Van Dijk and Canate. Yes, they were found wanting against City, but they're still Liverpool's best centre half pairing for me. Even though Liverpool kept a clean sheet at Chelsea, let's let's not. Pretend. Yeah, it was more through luck than judgment, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of of XG, but you know, when I think I think Chelsea's was like two point two, and and Liverpool's was was zero point three, which kind of showed showed didn't it? I mean, the two disallowed goals, some. Some absolutely dreadful finishing from from Chelsea and and two world class saves from Allison and where would Liverpool be without without him um, at his best for most of this season? So um, I'm not a massive fan of the Matip Canate axis. So um, yeah, back to Van Dijk Canate, and I think I think you've got to put your trust in Trent. You know, I, I just think that he's too gifted not to come out of this this rut. That you know you you know yes. You know, there probably is a consideration on that side because it'd probably be Gabriel Martinelli, won't it, who is a handful for anyone. There would be a case to say maybe you need someone who's who's more defensively minded, but I just think it's Anfield. You've got Liverpool's best hope against Arsenal is to be bold, to play on the front foot, to to feed off that energy from the fans. And, you know, let's not forget as dismal as it has been recently, you know, Liverpool's last home game 
know, five weeks ago, feels like five years ago, beating Man United 7-0, you know, still only lost once in the league at home all season. So I think I think it's got to be Trent on that side and Robertson on the other. Midfield's an interesting one because I think, again, like it just shows the lack of options. What does he do? Because, yes, I wouldn't say Fabinho or Henderson covered themselves in glory, but you know, I, I think they both have to start. And then it's a dilemma who who fills that third spot. Do you give Jones another chance? Do you bring back Harvey Elliott? You know, Tiago's hoping to make his comeback on Sunday, but could you really throw Tiago straight in? Hasn't played a minute's football for two months. Um, do you go for the experience of Milner? I mean, I, you know, I, I think the fact that he turned to Milner off the bench late on just shows you where the pecking order is. With you know, he does. I don't think there's a you know, Fabio Cavallio and Arthur Mello once again overlooked. The top end of the pitch is a bit more straightforward for me. I, th- I think it has to be, it has to be Gagpo, it has to be Salah, and it has to be Nunes. Um, I was disappointed with Firmino and Jota. Um, I, I just think with those two, uh, two of your three, there's a real lack of pace. So yeah, that that would be the lineup for me. I don't know what everyone else thinks. Yeah, I'm, I mean that makes sense to me. I'm, I'm worried uh, yeah, about Jota, Kiva. I think it's getting to the stage now. I think we chatted about this recently, didn't we? Where it's like the more it goes on, the more you're like, hmm, a little bit concerning. Um, just because he just doesn't look like you know that rustiness. He hasn't quite shook it off, has he? Obviously, he had a, I think he was out for four months, wasn't he? Didn't get to go to the World Cup with Portugal, which was a blow for him. Was pretty brilliant in that game against City where he got injured. I thought he was pivotal to Liverpool in that game, as we've seen him be since he joined the club from Wolves. I think for Jota to be going through this spell, I mean, it just doesn't feel like it's been that long since he scored, but it's obviously been a year on the 10th of April against City, scored in a 2-2 draw, and he hasn't scored since, which is mad. He's got 11 assists in that time. It's now 31 games after the Chelsea game without a goal for Liverpool, but he has the 11 assists, and 16 of those games have been start. So it's not like he's been starting every game. I mean, a goal against Arsenal. You know, he's enjoyed those before. So maybe from off the bench in Anfield. He owns the... Arsenal, doesn't he? He owns them. So he's got that energy, hasn't he? He's definitely got an energy where he can own an entire team club. He's a player that on his day is just a goal scorer. So he has to be that at Anfield. Otherwise, I mean, definitely will be a year um, on the 10th of April. So why not make it the 9th of April when he finally scores? Yeah, that would be wonderful. This is Walk On from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. He's away again. Is this going to be the hat trick? It could still be. It is! Oh, Robbie Fowler. He's 48 on Sunday. 48? Oh, I mean, for me, he'll always be forever. 18, when he burst through and he was just 
one of the one of the creeds. Andy, you weren't even born then, were you? No. Nope. I mean, were your parents <laughs> even born then? <laughs> they were. I can confirm that. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it's it's weird because for you. Fowler must be like Billy Little was to me. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's, you know, you've, you grew up on like, you know, it was my equivalent of fairy stories. You know, I get told <laughs> tales of Billy Little. I bet you got told tales of Robbie Fowler. Yeah, he's, he's one of my dad's favorite players. He's definitely right up there and he always references him. Whenever he's talking about a striker, he goes, he usually says, well, he's not, not quite Robbie Fowler in terms of his, his goal scoring ability. But yeah, I, I caught sort of the, I guess the back end of, of Fowler's career, and I, I more remember his his return under Benitez in that sort of what was a bit well felt at the, at the time a bit of a strange sort of return. Uh, but that's that's sort of the thing that's that uh, that I remember him most for. But um, but also watching the you know the little videos and it was in DVDs at that point, but videos of the treble season. That was when I used to see I saw Fowler the most. That was sort of my memories. It would be of watching him on the telly. Scoring, you know, goals during that season. We talked about Kiva Giotta owning Arsenal, but that Hattrick in what? Well, Hattrick in seventeen seconds or something, wasn't it? And um, was just magnificent, wasn't it? You know, if, imagine someone did that on Sunday. Yeah, that was. I mean, you grow up on the fumes of that story, don't you? The Hattrick, and it was a. Sadio it was Mane. actually four minutes and 33 seconds. I was exaggerating for comic purposes. Yeah. Sadio Mane that eventually broke that record. But that was just, I mean, you could watch that full four minutes and however many seconds, can't you? And just, it's mad to watch because it's just like, I always think when people do things so fast, like score a hat-trick, you're kind of watching them celebrate going, hurry up, you could knock a few seconds off here. We're obviously there not to know that they're about to do that. But the kind of thing with Fowler was, he just expected to score every time he was in and around the box. You expected them to score. And like Andy, you know, you sort of grow up a little bit hating a bit about him. But I sort of, my first proper Liverpool memories are that, that treble winning season. And those are the players that you just were like, wow, like, their footballers, like he just fell in love with with them, and I think that was um, Fowler was definitely one of those players, wasn't he? Yeah, and I mean for me, you know, there are players that you have an emotional investment in, and there's players that you know you can't, you know, they're just passing through. But I always think when I when I saw Fowler, I always thought think of that line from American Pie, you know, about Buddy Ollie, the the boy, the voice that came from you and me. Well, Fowler was the player that came from you and me, the player that came from the cop. He was one of us, everything about him. You know, he grew up an Evertonian, but it didn't matter. There was something intrinsically scouse about him. And there was that spirit, that energy. He was he felt like a physical manifestation of us on the you know, on the on the cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely go along with that. I mean I unfortunately I'm not too young to remember him in his in his prime. And because uh, I, I actually moved to Liverpool for the first time in nineteen ninety six and that was that was the first season really that I was going week in, week out. He was absolutely exceptional then. And and you're right, he just got it as well, didn't he? You know, you, you think of some of the iconic images supporting the Dockers. and, and oh, I've still just... got me Dockers t-shirt. <laughs> uh, I can't fit into it now, like, but I've still got it. I, I don't know what ever happened to mine. I think it probably still in Carnatic Halls on Elmswood Road in, in Liverpool. Because it was because yeah, he, he used to live just around the corner, actually, from the university residences that I was in in the first year. And I know... Because mates would come back and say they'd just seen him in Chris's uh, Chris's chippy on uh, on Rose Lane. So um, he was definitely definitely a, a man of the people. But yeah, just one of the most naturally gifted strikers you could 
you could ever ever wish to see in a Liverpool shirt when you're in you know, would you say he's 48 this weekend you know you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't mind uh, you wouldn't mind someone producing a, a Fowler-esque display on the weekend you can't imagine Salah going the chippy and curb loading that way, can you? You know, it's um, it's not going to happen. But as I say, he had that unique, that unique scouse feel about him. You know, and, and you know, you look at like Stephen Stephen Gerrard, who um, obviously scouse as well. But the, the captain always looks as if he had the weight of the world on him, whereas Robbie was always like it was that that cheeky imp. Side of the Scouse personality, wasn't it, Kiva? I loved it. Like the Scouse energy of, of players is that, and it can be different as well. The idea of that, that like, you know, different kind of energies is a good thing. I always do like the people who support Liverpool understand like the Scouse way and the culture and how different it is from person to person. And, you know, when you're on the cop watching someone like Robbie Fowler, you definitely know that he's a Liverpoolian through and through even though you say like many grew up sporting Everton didn't matter he just was scouse scouse as they come and you know you get to chat to him now for pieces I know James chatted to him recently about Mo Salah and he's just yeah I mean it's still I remember chatting to him for Allison's goal like the highlight of that season and it was just like I think it was the first time I'd spoke to him before and I was just kind of like Oh my God, it's Robbie Fowler, it's Robbie Fowler, like, calm down, just, yeah, call him, it's fine, you know, talking myself through it like you do. But you kind of do pinch yourself in this job sometimes, like, you're chatting to people like that, that, you know, are just these sort of, like, icons of an entire football club, which is loved and adored worldwide, and sometimes I think you have to remember that, you know, when you do get the, the privilege and the opportunity to do some of the things that we get to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you take it for granted, really, don't you? When, and you should never do that. You know, it's amazing. I mean, uh, sort of the the first time, you know, one of them, I remember the first time Kenny Dalgleish phoned me, I was like, oh, my God. It's like, you know, ah, ah. you know, so you, you you do get like, you know, get like that. and Stay calm. Yeah, but, you know, sort of. Uh, I mean, what wouldn't we give for a performance like Robbie's at, uh, against Arsenal? Uh, Remember the other highlight against Arsenal is when he tried to like get a penalty decision reversed at Highbury. Remember, and I'm standing there, I'm standing yes. there in the clock end, and I'm screaming, "Don't, don't you idiots!" There were some other words involved in it, but you know that, that that's the gist of it. But like, um, it'd be brilliant to see something. Something like Robbie's performance, wouldn't it, Andy? You know, we we really need coming home. We really need a big display. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the main thing, isn't it? Liverpool need something like that because you know Arsenal are coming in a great vein of form, scoring a lot of goals and causing teams plenty of problems, and that's why they are where they are. And and this is you know that's why Liverpool need the type the type of performance from, from not just one player. They need everyone to step up. And I mean, hopefully they can get as close to the type of performance they put in against Manchester United. But that, that's the important thing, isn't it? It's it's not just putting the performance in, it's, get, it's get putting the ball in the back of the net. And and that's what Liverpool haven't been able to do. Well, they've scored one since that, that 7 0, haven't they? So any, if anyone can uh, can do that, that'd be helpful. I mean, you, you look you, you look to, to Salah, for example, to be that person. But yeah, if any of them can step up, that would be, that would be ideal because. You know, this is going to be a really, really tough game for Liverpool and they're going to need to take the chances when they come because, you know, Arsenal are going to want to, I think, play the game on their terms because that's what they've done all season. And also, they'll be very, very wary, as we mentioned, the, the sort of 
well, the curse they seem to have coming to Anfield, they, they haven't won for it's 11 years or something. Yeah. So, you know, they'll be they'll be wary of that. And, <laughs> you know, it does, it does always make me laugh when you think about the, the Mikel Arteta Arsenal documentary on Amazon when he when he had them train and play and you'll never walk alone to try and <laughs> G them up and it, it didn't work at all. Because um, when when the atmosphere built, they fell to pieces and that's what Liverpool have got to try and create and that it works both ways. You know, the supporters, we all know how important this game is for Liverpool, but also the players, you want them to feed off that, but they need to step up as well and, and give you know the supporters something to get behind because that's what the struggle has been in the last couple of games that you know it's not felt like this is this is a Liverpool team that that look knows what it's doing and, and is going in the right direction. And I think there's there's a lot more pressure on Arsenal as well on the weekend. You know, I think I think it's almost certainly the, the wider footballing community like will will just expect you know look at that what is it twenty nine points between these teams. It's you know that, that, as Andy said for a team like Arsenal come into a ground where they haven't won for eleven years you know that they're they're the ones that are in the mix and we know from where Liverpool have been there in recent years just you know how nerve jangling that can be and the anxiety levels grow and Liverpool have to Liverpool have to try and expose that and you know it's and it is strange because when you when you look after last night you know Liverpool have got forty three points in twenty eight games which is exactly the same as what they had two years ago. And then they went on and got 26 points out the last 30 to salvage a top four finish. Now, I think it's a, a much bigger mountain they're trying to scale this time around because I think the teams above them are better and, and Liverpool have got much bigger problems than they had then when it was just simply a centre-back crisis. But, you know, you, you still have to cling to that. It is, you know, that, you know, that, that, that the, the 11th with, with, you know, the one just before 10 games to go two years ago, Liverpool lost at home to Fulham. And it was like, you know, if, if, you, if anyone had said to you then, Liverpool would get 26 points out of the last 30, you'd have just laughed in their face. So, you know, you, you do have to keep keep fighting. And, you know, if, if you're looking for a lift, then there's there's no better thing to get than to to, to beat the, the runaway Premier League leaders at home and, and put them back in the box. So, yeah, despite how grim it's been recently, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday. We know Liverpool are a different beast at Anfield. Yeah, and you'll be glad to be home because um, your adventures on public transport have been quite interesting, haven't you, James? <laughs> oh God, you just think it, you couldn't think it, get, it would get any worse, could you? Having been everywhere following Liverpool this season, and what is it, three wins out of fifteen, and then yeah, the uh, my train broke down three times today trying to get back up north. A really helpful conductor fella saying that. That the the next replacement train, if we ever made it to Doncaster, might actually go over from platform four, but it could possibly go from platform eight. So it's worth checking both of them when you get to Doncaster. Just run around. Doncaster. I was heading up to Leeds. I was heading up to Leeds. Rather, I can't I can't blame Avanti on the West Coast mainland uh, mainline for this one. This was LNER, I think it is, who run that shambles. So um, it sort of fits in with. Liverpool season of it, James, breaking down three times, and eventually getting there is a good yeah. sign, maybe. The conductor blamed how many miles the train had to do last season. They mis- <laughs> they misjudged how, how much work was needed on the train before the before the new train season I, I started. Thought that, I thought those <laughs> central carriages were getting old, and that was one of the problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Far too passive. Anyway, uh, enough about trains. That's all from Walk On, your <laughs> Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiefer and Andy, and you for listening. 
Get in touch with us with your questions, voice notes, or other observations. Just email walk-on at theathletic.com. We'll be back on Monday. Join us then. The Athletic.